Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, you are listening to The Narrators. Today's story comes from Colorado-based theater maker Stephen Burge. This story was recorded live at Buntport Theater, and the theme of the show was Distance. I've not done this for a while. I feel a little nervous. Okay. <clears throat> the first time I experienced any kind of significant distance between my family and myself was the summer that my parents enrolled me in Christian clown camp. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again so you know you heard it correctly. The first time I experienced any significant distance between my family and myself was the summer that my parents enrolled me in Christian clown camp. (laughs) My little sister and I uh, grew up in a nice Midwestern community, a Christian household. We are what is known as wasps. For the heathens in the room, that means... We are white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. We're the good kind of Christians, all right? We don't talk in tongues. We don't make a scene. We hate the sinner. Nope, we hate the sin, not the sinner. You can invite us to parties just so long as there's plenty of white wine to go around. We're the good ones, okay? And as we grew up... Faith was always a big part of our lives. Starting from a very young age, my parents would read the, uh, an age-appropriate Bible to us every single night. My sister had my first Bible. I remember having a children's Bible. The first Bible was very, very thin, and it had um, mostly story, like most of the stories, like the, like the big ones, like, like Christmas and Easter, and of course, Adam and Eve. And um, um, then the, the children's Bible was real. It was sturdy, but it left out things like revelations, because again, we're the reasonable ones. All right. <laughs> And then around uh, middle school, high school, we got our, uh, you know, a real Bible. I still have a real Bible. It is, um, I bought it myself. It is bound in pink leather. <laughs> and it's my favorite Bible But now. But back then, it was the, uh, my sister's, um, my first Bible, uh, because that came with the illustrations. And uh, my favorite story was... Um, the Adam and Eve story, and the illustration associated with that was two naked white people. And Eve was sporting some tasteful side boob, but Adam was just full bottom, just full bottom. It was very titillating. This is not the point. The point is, (laughs) 
that throughout life, you know, uh, growing up, faith was very part, uh, important to us. So, of course, the first time we would go to a summer camp, it made sense that faith was a big part of it. My sister was younger than me, but much, much braver. She continues to be much, much braver, fearless than I am. And um, she was going to like an adventure camp with horses and swimming. And I was going to um, go to Christian Clown Camp. My parents arranged that for me. And about 45 minutes before we got to the camp, I burst into tears. I, I was 10, maybe, 9, 10, 10. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. This was not unlike when I started kindergarten. I sobbed every single day all day long. And at the end of the first week, my mother was called into a meeting with the principal where she was told that I would be disinvited from kindergarten if I couldn't stop crying and I would have to start over next year, which of course made her burst into tears. So then we walked hand in hand sobbing. My mom, because she had failed me as a parent and I, because I had made my mother cry. So we came to this agreement that if I wouldn't cry, she would play Yahtzee with me for one hour every single night. I took that deal. I didn't cry. I was the youngest in my class forever. It was great. <laughs> but in this case, going to Christian Clown Camp, there was no amount of Yahtzee playing that was going to make me stop crying. I sobbed. I was sobbing. I was so afraid. And they dropped me off. And the uh, head clown counselor said, he'll be fine. Everything is going to be fine. I cried myself to sleep that night. I woke up. I cried, continued to cry. And uh, then I went to the first class where we learned how to put on our Christian clown makeup. Christian, <laughs> Christian clown makeup is applied specifically and with some kind of ceremony, symbolically. First, you apply the white. You can either put white all over your face or you can put white just around your eyes. The application of white symbolizes the death of you. In my case, the death of Steve Birch. Then you apply the color. That signifies the rebirth of you as your new Christian clown character. So the color is where you can go wild. You can do whatever you want. Um, you have to have big red lips, but other than that, your face is a canvas. I, being a wasp, am also very passive-aggressive. So I just took a red blob right here, put it on my cheek. That was the only other color I put on. And that is the name of my um, clown, by the way. My Christian clown name is Gumball. I'm Gumball the Christian clown. <laughs> so then we learned the clowning shtick. Oh, this is very important. After the white is applied, you are no longer allowed to speak. You have died. And your Christian clown interacts through, through, the, through the magic of Christian clown buffoonery, which is silent. <laughs> so we learned all the shtick that we were supposed to learn. And then we were told that we were going to go and minister to various groups of people who needed us, the children of America, now Christian clowns. I asked if there was uh, an orphanage we might visit. Not because I wanted to minister to the orphans, but because I wanted to take my place among them. <laughs> <clears throat> 
I no longer had parents. I simply lived on the same planet as two people named Jim and Carla who would drop me off in the forest with a bunch of clowns. (laughs) There was no orphanage, but we were going to go to a, a senior citizen's home. We arrived... And we were a hit. And I, I realized I hadn't been crying for a while, right? Like, I was, oh, yeah, this might be, this might be my calling. <laughs> it's not exactly the circus, but it's the circus with Jesus, and that's great. <laughs> there was such demand. We were, we were paired up and sent into rooms of people. Um, and there was such demand for us that at one point we were split from our partners and we were sent into rooms alone. I did probably 10 shows that day. (laughs) I slayed. I, I juggled scarves. I would like pretend to walk downstairs behind the bed and then I would come back up the stairs with Kleenex flowers and then at the end, I would pray with everyone. Then as I was leaving, I'd pretend to be walking into the wind. It was amazing. <laughs> when we all got back onto the Christian clown car to go back to camp, <clears throat> there was just a palpable energy. People were abuzz, right? We couldn't talk about it because we still had the makeup on, but we couldn't wait to share. Except for one girl who I didn't really know that well because I'd spent most of the time crying, not making friends. And she was sitting alone, and she looked sort of sullen. And I looked at her, and I went... (laughs) And I gave her a Kleenex flower, and she shook her head and turned and looked out the window. When we arrived back to the camp, we started to take our makeup off, and I watched. I could watch as tears sort of filled up her eyes. And she became... She took off this color and this color, and when her face was bare she burst into tears. She started sobbing, wailing, and she was immediately whisked away to an adjacent room. The door was closed, but we could all hear her wailing through the door. This activated my anxiety. I started to cry. I was taken to another room. When everyone was calm, uh, we were brought back into the space. It, It was quite a long time, and we were ready to have dinner. And the head of the clown camp, oh my God, she (laughs) came to the front and she said that that girl would no longer be with us. She had had uh, a rough day. And she then went on to say that there was going to be a change to the rules. No longer did we have to remain silent if we were in any kind of danger. If someone tried to touch us, we could speak up, tell them to stop, cry for help. And then she sort of judged the girl for not knowing that, for not just knowing she should speak up. Then we were told to bow our heads, to pray for her, and to pray for the old man in the room she had visited that afternoon. Several years later, uh, I, when I experienced my own sexual assault at the hands of a trusted adult, a minister, in fact, of all the things that ran through my mind, I remembered that girl and the bus ride home. I didn't have any clown makeup on, but I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak to stop it. And I wondered, would it have made a difference 
if she had not been wearing that makeup? Many of us who are a part of this community, we don't speak up right away. It takes us a while to find our voice. And when we do, I just ask that uh, you hear us, you believe us. Last week when I was deciding how I would um, talk about distance, I called my sister and I remembered that I had, um, my mother had said, oh, now that you're a Christian clown, you can do some ministering at church. Won't that be fun? Maybe with your sister. And I said, no, no way. She couldn't. She was an amateur. She hadn't learned anything. I had been trained. She hadn't. It was unjust. She couldn't join me. And I was so sad that I called my sister and I said, do you remember... I left her a voicemail. I was like, do you remember that time I went to clown camp and then I wouldn't let you minister to me and minister with me? I'm so sorry about that. And she called me right back and she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, you remember the Christian clown and you went to the adventure camp. And she was like, oh yeah, and I, I don't remember that. I probably just asked to do that just to irritate you. You are forgiven, but I do have a list of other things that you could apologize for <laughs> if you like. And then as we were wrapping up, I was like, did anything weird happen at your camp? And she said, no, no. It was just a shitty camp. Um, there were only two horses, one of whom was almost dead and one of whom was a donkey. And every single morning, the campers, we the campers, would have to fish drowned rats out of the swimming pool before we could dive in. So, <laughs> so good job, Mom and Dad, for introducing us to the wilderness. And probably, um, not surprisingly, neither my sister nor I are big campers today. Thank you very much. Steve Birch, everyone! Narrators is produced by me, Aaron Rollman, and Ron Doyle, with the help of Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Our music is by Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Kevin Matthews. A special thanks goes to our sponsors, Buntport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, Juana Brands, and Great Divide Brewing Company. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with a new season of the podcast in May. In the meantime, check out our archive of past episodes, and if you happen to be in Denver, please join us for one of our live shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month. For more information, you can click on the link in our show notes or visit our website, thenarrators.org. See you in May. Hey, hey, hey.